0: You're listening to a Dwell Community Church production. If you'd like to check out more resources, visit dwellcc.org. So we've been studying the book of James. And um, if you've been here with us the last couple of weeks, you know that uh, James, this is probably the first book written in our New Testament. James grew up having Jesus as his big brother. They were actually half-brothers because they had the same mom, but James was the son of Joseph and Jesus was the son of God. So there's... Um, It'd be a little challenging having Jesus grow up as your big brother, perhaps, but um, I think it would have been pretty cool as well. And um, James, you know, they they probably had a pretty good relationship when he was younger, but as he grew up, he grew pretty cynical toward his older brother and um, scoffed at him. Really, he missed out on a golden opportunity to travel around with him during his years of ministry and teaching and to become his disciple and instead he sat from afar, and James heard a lot of Jesus' teachings. We can see that referred to throughout the book of James, but he didn't listen to them or act on them, and those will become key verbs for later on tonight as, we, as James teaches us how to get the most out of God's word. Well, after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he appeared to James, and they had some sort of interaction that we, don't, we aren't privileged to see But James was a different man after that. After that, he became a new man. He became a a very strong believer, a very powerful Christian leader based out of Jerusalem, a man of prayer, a man of the word. He went on to write this book of the New Testament. And James, in this book that he's writing, he's writing to Jewish Christians scattered abroad, he's worried that some of his readers are suffering from the same problem that he had. Some of his readers were hearing the word of God but just not getting anything out of it. And, you know, back then, a lot of them did not have their own copies, especially of the New Testament. It was just in the process of being written. They would have had some writings, but it was expensive. Not everyone knew how to read. Um, And so they would come to meetings, and they would sit under the Word. They would hear the Word. They were obviously very strong on memorization back then, coming out of a Jewish background. But they would hear these words, you know, the, the little bones inside their ears were rattling as, as the sound waves hit them, but that was about as far as it went. They were not getting the most. They were really not getting anything out of the Word. And, you know, in some cases, if someone's not getting anything out of the Word, in some cases that person needs to become a Christian. That may have been the case for some of his readers. They just simply had not become Christians. And that was what uh, we we studied last week when we studied the previous passage in James where James says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Yes, becoming a Christian is not a resolution to do better, but there's a personal interaction with God where you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, where you receive the forgiveness that he's offering. It's not about something you do, but it's something Christ has done. And the word of God plays a key role in that, and that new birth. For example, we can, we can look at a, a single verse of scripture, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And we can look at a verse like this who so we can start to, if we, if we can just stop and listen for a moment and let it sink in we start to realize some things, that God loves me, that God loves these people in this world, this world that is broken. People have turned away from him, and God loved them so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die. He gave his one and only son, and that I can benefit from what Christ did by simply placing my trust in him, not my own religious works, but my trust in what he has done. And that as a result, instead of perishing, instead of ha- heading a very bad direction where death is just the start of my problems, instead I can know that I have eternal life. And that was what some of James's readers needed to do. They needed to, they needed to get this new birth. The Bible describes it like a new birth, like, like a new life is beginning right there. You were spiritually dead and now you're spiritually alive. You're going to need that. You're going to need the Holy Spirit living inside of you if you're going to get much out of God's Word. But in other cases, the person is already a Christian and yet still struggling to live the way that they should. That was the case that some of James' readers were, were in, and that's maybe a situation some of us are in as well. You know, James, again, in the, in the previous passage we studied, he talked about this struggle. He said in 1, and 15, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And, and so sometimes you feel kind of torn between, on the one hand, I'm this new person. I've received this new birth, this forgiveness. Jesus Christ has forgiven me. His spirit lives inside of me. But on the other hand, there's this battle raging inside of me. There's these temptations, these desires, these things I know shouldn't be there. And I act on them and, and they give birth to sinful actions not the kind of birth we're looking for here the new birth makes us a new person and then this it's giving birth to sinful actions and so we kind of wonder am I doomed to live the rest of my life in this stalemate between the, the person I'm supposed to be the person I guess I already am and yet I see myself not doing the right things this struggle how do we break out of this stalemate God doesn't want you to live your life this way The Christian life is the victorious life. And the key to that victory, the key to spiritual growth is the word of God. Yes, the same way we became a Christian by the word of God is also the way that we grow as a Christian. The word is this incredibly valuable gift that God has given to us for our growth so we can learn about him. And he wants us to grow through the Word of God. And that's why, he's, what he, why he brings up this passage next. is because he says, you know, you can receive the Word. God's trying to give you something. The Word is able to save your souls. He calls this the law of liberty, freedom. He says, you will be blessed. You will be happy, prosperous in what you do. And so he's offering the Word of God as the key to spiritual growth. And so what we're going to see tonight is James is going to give us two basic suggestions for how to get the most out of the word of God. And the first thing he says you need to do in verses 19 through 21 is you need to listen to the word of God. Listen to God's word. Let's read these verses. He says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness, and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. So let's think about this. You know, the passage starts with being quick to hear hear, and and this little section ends with receiving the word that God is giving to you. He also says it's able to save your souls. That word save has a pretty broad range of meaning. Here it's probably talking about spiritual growth. It can mean everything from becoming a Christian, being forgiven that first initial time, to the process of spiritual growth that continues throughout our lives. And that's what he's talking about here. The word is able to to spur on your spiritual growth, to feed it. He says receive the word implanted. And so this picture here is a picture of of, uh, from the world of, of botany. It's plant life. This is seeds and plants. And he's like, he's like, the word of God, he says, it's like this seed. And you're like the soil. And God places that seed there. And it goes down into the soil. And whereas before it was just lifeless soil, now all of a sudden, boosh, life is springing forth. This past summer, I got to go out to Sequoia <laughs> National Park. I took this picture here of General Sherman the largest tree in the world. And uh, in case you don't, you're not familiar with General Sherman, these are people down there. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> 275 feet tall. The base of this tree is 103 feet circumference around that tree. that is a really big tree. This on the other hand is a picture I found on the internet of a hand (laughs) holding a sequoia cone and some sequoia seeds. Now, sequoia cones never get longer than about three inches long. The seeds are 0.2 inches long and about 4 one-hundredths of an inch wide. And this right here. These tiny little things are what over hundreds of years end up producing trees the size of General Sherman. And the word of God is like a seed. It's small, but it's mighty. You look at it initially and you're like, this doesn't seem like such a big deal. You know, you can, you can summarize the whole thing in a book, you know, this size here. But the reality is that this has the power of to completely transform your life. This has the power to bring that sort of life into your world, like a seed planted in the soil. And here's the thing. If there's a problem, it's with the soil, not with the seed. If there's a problem in our lives, the problem's not with the word of God. The problem's with the soil. What kind of soil is that seed landing on? You know, this soil here. You know, Jesus told this uh, parable. In Matthew 13, he said the wor- farmer went out to sow a seed, and he tossed the seed, and it landed on all kinds of different soils. And he says, you know, the soils like the word of God. And some of that soil fell on this really hard path, and it couldn't penetrate down into the ground, and so the birds came and snatched it right up. And then the other seeds fell on different, varying qualities of soil. And some of it sprang up quickly and then died right away. Some of it grew a little longer but got choked out by, by thorns and thistles. Some of it, though, yielded a crop that was 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. I mean, you can see that illustrated with the sequoia. Jesus is thinking agriculture as well. You know, a single kernel of wheat can produce hundreds, thousands of similar kernels. And um, the question is, what kind of soil are you? That's really the question. James tells us the kind of soil we need to be. He says, we need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Unfortunately, some people, not you, but people you know are the opposite of that. (laughs) Quick to speak, slow to hear. Imagine soil that just won't listen. It's like the farmer sets the seed on it, and it's like, oh, I got plenty of those, and it starts just secreting all of its seeds, all the things it already has stored up inside of it. It's nothing compared to what the farmer is trying to place on that soil. It's interesting, if you study the uh, Old Testament, the Proverbs, the wisdom literature, you'll see there, it really doesn't tell you to do anything. Very rarely will it tell you to do something. Usually what it emphasizes is listening, observing. It's like, do you notice this? Have you ever noticed that? And it's the observation process. That begins to work its way down into our minds. You know, Christianity is, is not a mindless religion. It's not a religion at all, it's a relationship. And it's about the transformation of the mind. The, the change runs deep. And it's as our mind transforms that, that that begins to flow out into our actions. You know, you look at the New Testament words for obey. You know, Christians are always bellering on about obedience sometimes. You know, the most common word for obey is hupakuo. kuo which is to listen from below. Akuo is to listen. Hupo or hypo is below. So it, it's, it's like we're standing below God. We're standing below the word and we're listening from below. It is the master. I listen to what God is telling me. Or pytho. It's often translated to obey, but it, it means to be persuaded. And so these words that are commonly translated "obey" are actually to listen, to be persuaded, and it's the listening and the persuasion that then plays out in action. James also says this soil needs to be slow to anger. We need to be slow to anger when we come to God's word if we want to get much out of it. And you know, you can imagine soil that's angry. You know, the farmer drops the seed on it's like, "Ah, "What are you doing?" Views it as like an act of aggression. He takes it personally, like I need this seed, you know, like I'm not doing okay on my own. Yeah, you know, when, when anger takes over, defensiveness, the ear tends to close. We can't hear when, the, when our anger has gotten the best of us. We're in attack mode. We're in defense mode. You know, Scripture says God is slow to anger. That's one of the first things God tells us about himself in this, these famous passages in the Old Testament, like Exodus 34.6. Self-control, Paul says, is a fruit of the Spirit. That's really kind of describing all three of these commands. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. It's about self-control. That's the kind of fruit. Just the fact that spiritual growth is depicted as a fruit, that shows you what what the spiritual growth process is like. We're receiving from God. God's trying to give you something. The resources are His to impart to you. And, you know, He's not forbidding all anger, You know, he says slow to anger. It's not that Christians never get angry. You see Jesus at times in his ministry, it was rare, but there were times where he was angry. But what he's talking about here is unrighteous anger. The anger of man or the anger of woman would both not achieve the righteousness of God, James tells us. And so the anger of man, you know, this would be, you know, reading the the Bible and being told I'm wrong. Sometimes the Bible tells us the opposite. Of the thing we're doing. It it confronts us. It says it's living and active. And uh, it's it's easy to get defensive in that situation, to, to lash back out because we feel like the way I'm living is being criticized, being told to wait longer. There are times when you feel like you're suffering and you're like, I've had about enough. And you read James 1 and he says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. And he says, keep hanging in there. And that's not what we wanted to hear. We wanted to hear this suffering is going to go away, especially if I follow God. But being told to wait longer, that can sometimes be pretty upsetting. Sometimes we read the Bible and we just think about how other people are not following this. You ever have that? You read this verse and somebody else comes to mind and uh, you feel kind of bad that you're kind of sorry for yourself, that you're kind of upset about the way you're being treated. They're not loving me like Christ, you know, says to love others or deflected, self-pity, feeling sorry for myself. Judgmentalism toward other people. These can all be things, responses to the word that would be consistent with the anger of man and that would, would block God's word from really having its effect on our lives. James also says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, what is he talking about here? Well, these are kind of general words for sin. He, he doesn't necessarily have anything specific he's getting at here. And um, what James is not saying is that we have to stop sinning before we read the Word, that we have to somehow get it together before we're going to read the Bible. No. But what he is saying is, you know, you go to this soil, and if it's full of some pretty, pretty nasty weeds... Or maybe there's some kind of toxic substance in this soil that has to be dealt with before life can, can grow here. Um, there might be something there that's blocking. Blocking growth. Blocking the receipt of the word of God. You know, sometimes there might be an area you're, you've already been ignoring God. Maybe God has been convicting you on something and you've been telling him no. And there might be a case where God says, you got it, that thing is getting in the way. Maybe, um, maybe God's been pushing you to, to open up about something, to confess something, and you've been saying no. And, and you find your, your ability to get something out of the Word, um, it's almost like the, the faucet has been shut off. There's been cases where, um, I remember one time um, where I was, you know, I was a single guy living in, in a ministry house, and I had this really good time with the Lord going, you know, it's like there's times where I would, I would start getting time in the Word, and then it would just kind of fizzle out, and then I would kind of start again, and there's a lot of these stops and starts as you really try to get into the Word of God, but I, I had kind of a sweet time going. I felt like I was really hearing from God each day, and then one day, it just felt like it, it kind of shut off, and I went a couple of days like that, and I started asking God, God, what? what is going on here? Is there something blocking here? And he said, yeah, actually, it's your super terrible attitude toward that roommate of yours. And um, he was right. And I had to change my attitude toward that guy and uh, not go and apologize that I've been bitter at him or whatever, but um, I don't recommend that. But start, start loving this guy. Get my attitude turned around toward him. And I found that I was able to, suddenly it's like the, the clog was removed and I was able to start really receiving from the word again. Could be pride. Could just be a prideful attitude where I just, I can't set my own thoughts, thoughts aside. I don't really feel like I need anything. It's like you're full instead of hungry for the word of God. You're full of your own thoughts and ideas instead of hungry for learning from God. And uh, I think that, that's plausible just because of what James goes on to say in the very next phrase he says, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Yes, in humility. This is a very important attitude that we need to have if we're gonna get anything out of the word of God. Here's the thing, God is trying to give you something. We, we wanna think God's trying to take something good away from me, or God is, is standing there like some drill sergeant barking orders at me, And I'm trying to, you know, achieve his acceptance. No, God is trying to give you something. He's trying to hand you a gift. He's trying to give you his perspective. He's trying to give the encouragement, the joy that comes through the word, the motivation that comes through the word. This is where we get our motivation for change in our lives, it's as we start to view things from God's perspective. And so he says, humbly receive. That's how God views spiritual growth. It's actively receiving from him, not pulling myself up by my own bootstraps. And so the question you've got to ask yourself is, will you you show up each day to receive from him? Will you show up each day to get into the word? I remember talking to a buddy once and I was saying, you know, there's times where I spend time with the Lord and I feel like I don't, I don't really feel anything. There's times where I get in there and it just feels amazing. And he was like, well, what you've got here is you've got an appointment with the king of the universe. And even if you show up every day for 365 days and he only decides to really speak in some super clear way to you one time, isn't that worth the other 364? And I was like, you know, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And uh, the truth is, God is going to speak a lot more than one day a year, probably, <laughs> to you. You're going to get a lot more out of it than that. But um, the question is, will you show up to receive from God each day? That is a very important step. That is a milestone that you will have to come to in your spiritual growth if you're ever going to get anywhere in your in your Christian life. If you won't do this, if you won't eat, you're going to be malnourished. You're going to be starving. And you're not going to have to go to some specialist to figure out what's wrong with you. It's, it's as simple as you're not eating. Will you open yourself up to the power that created the universe? Andrew Murray talks about the, um, the power of the sun. And, you know, back in his day, this is like the late 1800s, you know, when people get tuberculosis, they, they didn't know how to cure it, so they would just, just wheel them out into the sun every day. <laughs> and they'd just sit there for like eight hours and they'd wheel them back in at night. And yet, just getting out there under the sun, it's not like they had to climb up to outer space or something. They just had to lie there and receive the healing rays of the awesome sun that God has created. Or um, he also talks about, um, you know, the, the weakest, puniest little flower, you know, and, and it's 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 been in the darkness all night long and it's covered with dew and the dew is just so heavy. It's got like three drops on it and it's all kind of bent over and then the sun starts to come up and what that little flower, it just has to do, it just has to kind of, uh, <laughs> just kind of face the sun and that's what it has to do that day. That's, it's, done its, it's done its part. And now the sun will do the rest, and that's what it feels like sometimes, when you're following God. You just, like, "Oh it's, it's just uh.
1: And you kind of have
0: to just like, yeah. <laughs> You have to expose yourself to the word. you have to open yourself up to its power. This is incredible. This is the, this is the power that created the heavens and the Earth. The Bible tells us God spoke the universe into existence. That means there was no universe, and then God told it to exist, and it did. God just went, world, and set in motion what has become what we see today. That's the power he's given us access to. Humbly receive that word and it, that is able to save your souls. And God will begin to do something in you. God will begin to do something. You may not notice it at first. I was talking to a friend recently, though, who was saying how he's like, man, I've been I've been pretty consistent reading God's word lately. And he's like, some days, you know, it never feels dry. But some days it feels pretty awesome. Some days it's just, you know, whatever. Um, but he's like, but then I'll be talking to people and just... Verses will start popping into my mind, and I'll be have something to share with that person. And um, God's, He says, you know, what that makes me want to do is it makes me want to keep getting in the Word because God's doing something. And you know, eating is kind of—I mean, the Bible is compared to eating food. And you know, eating—it's like some meals are amazing, and some meals it's like it's it's breakfast, you know, it's nutrition. I'm not eating it because I want to feel amazing. I'm eating it because I know I need to eat, and I make time for things I know I, I need to do, and that's, that's what God's Word is like, and it will begin to do something in you. It's also important not just reading it on your own, but exposing yourself to good Bible, solid Bible teachings, um, reading books by good Christian authors, because you need to get other perspectives on the Word. It's 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 benefiting from people who have studied people who are further along people who are more mature people who have read others who've had the time you know have had 10 20 30 40 50 years of experience in reading to to pass along good bible teaching i think that's really important as well and what this will do is this will this will determine the outcome of your spiritual life i remember as a young believer There was this super old lady in my college home church. She was like 70. And um, I was talking to her one time and she said, I want you to look around this room and I want you to very carefully observe the people who are in the word of God consistently. And she said, "They they won't be the same people five years from now, two years from now, because God's work will have done a work in their lives. She said, I also want you to notice the people who are not in the Word of God. You won't be able to recognize them a couple years from now because they probably won't be around unless they change on this one point because they're starving themselves to death, spiritually speaking, and and that made an impact on me. I thought, if there's one thing I do, I better get in the Word. In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. It's right there for the taking. The word of God. There's tremendous encouragement available here. I can't tell you how many times I've felt so discouraged. There's been setbacks in my life. I've been in terrible suffering. And sometimes the way suffering works is you have to just sit in it for months some cases, years. And each day you're reading the Word, and, you know, there's it's times where it's just been building up and building up and building up the pain. And there, there's times where it kind of reaches a, a boiling point, and I go to God, I'm like, God, what is going on here? Where are these promises? And then God directs me back into His Word, and He encourages me. And he builds my, it's it's tearing down my life and building it back up with his word. That's what he wants to do for you. And what you'll find is that you will look back on painful times in your life and you will have key memories of times where God spoke to me through his word, where God encouraged me through his word. And you will feel so loved by him and so close to him. But you've got to give him a chance. You've got to give him a chance to give to you in this way. You've got to receive it humbly. The word that God is is planting there. Because that's able to save your souls. But listening alone to the word is not enough. James says there's something else you've got to do. He says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. He says just listening to the word can actually be a form of self-delusion. Yes, you also need to act on God's word, he says in verses 22 through 27. James is a, a book of action. He's a man of action. He's always challenging us to action. His readers were not acting. He was sort of, he's sort of writing to the church kids. These are people that grew up in Jewish homes. They'd become Christians, and you know some of them had been around it all their lives, and they weren't really doing anything with it. And he says, prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. The thing about the word of God is you can't fully understand it until you put it into practice. It's different from other books in that way. Other books, you can understand it just by reading it, but you have to act on the word of God to fully understand what it's talking about. You're like, oh, that's what it's talking about. And then it's the experience then reinforces the learning and the two fuse together and your faith grows. Otherwise, you're deluding yourself. Yes, you can actually delude yourself by reading, by listening, and by not doing. And you can become in a state of greater and greater religious self-delusion, which is not a good place to be. Your heart can be hardening if you listen to the word and don't act on it. What a terrible faith that would be. Yeah, many Christians, they read their chapter each day as a mere religious exercise. You know, the goal is not to advance the bookmark forward by one page. The goal is to meet God there and to receive direction for my day. The goal is, is something that matters right here in the real world. It's faith in action. That's the goal. He says, if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. And, you know, back then their mirrors were a little different than ours are today. They weren't as clear. This is actually a mirror from the 1400s B.C., Egypt, that's been restored. Um, and you can see it's, it's just like polished metal, um, bronze or other types of metals. And you'd have to get pretty close to see your face. You kind of have to really really zoom in there. To see things, and he says it's be kind of silly. You're like somebody that looks so closely and analyzes the whole situation, and then you look at yourself and you go away and you immediately forget what kind of person you were. Yeah, the word of God—it's—it's like a seed in verse, you know, the the earlier couple verses, verse twenty-one. Now it's like a mirror, and it shows you things. The word of God is living and active. It can pierce through our self-delusion. And so, you know, you can kind of imagine how silly this would be. It's like, you're like, man, I feel like I got something in my teeth. And, you know, you look in your mirror and you're like, oh, interesting. Yeah, I got something in my teeth. And then you just go away and don't do anything about it. And you walk around with a big piece of spinach hanging out of your mouth. He says, that's what it's like. When you look into the word and you see things and then you just go on with your life like nothing happened. God's word probably showed you something. If you're willing to hear it, Jesus would always say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then you walk around unchanged when the change was right there for the taking. He says, but... The one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom. Yeah, he's talking about God's word here. He's probably specifically, you know, Jesus would have these dialogues with people and they would say, how do you summarize the whole word? The the whole word of God. The whole law of God. And the answer is, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And that new law, that law of love, that is the lens through which James and Jesus both say we need to look at the word of God. And so the law of freedom, the royal law, he says in James 2.8, is called, it's the law of love. And so this, studying the word and looking at it through the lens of the great command to love one another, he says that's what you need. And he says not becoming a a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer. That's. Man or woman will be blessed in what he does. And that word blessed means happy. You will be happy. And there's a tremendous joy that can come from the word of God. This is the way to real happiness and freedom. It's looking intently at the word of God. And that word intently, it's like, it's not just looking, but it's like to stoop over, like, like you're looking at a bug on the ground. And you're looking very closely and very carefully and then you, you act on it. He says, that's the way to freedom. That's the way to happiness. You wonder where the happiness is in your Christian life, the word of God. Maybe that's what you're missing. Looking intently into it and acting on it. And then James says, finally, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, you know, his, a lot of his audience probably thought of themselves as pretty religious People. You know, some of these, he, was, he might have had former Pharisees in the audience that he's writing to, or at least people that had grown up looking up to those Pharisees. He says, you want, you want religion under the new covenant, under the new way? Bridle your tongue. You know, they thought of religion as like going to temple and aff- offering sacrifice. And James says, get a hold of your tongue, man. If you don't bridle your tongue, you deceive your own heart. And this man's religion is worthless. Yeah. And he says, oh, you want pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father? Take care of orphans and widows. Love the poor, James says. Oh, and keep yourself unstained by the world. You see both social justice, loving the orphans and the widows, caring for them, and being unstained by the world. That's your personal spiritual growth, you know. A lot of Christian movements, they either emphasize social justice or they emphasize personal spiritual growth, and James is putting them both right next to each other. He says, that is pure and undefiled religion. You want that? And these verses actually turn out to be kind of an outline for the rest of the book. Care for the poor, James 2. Bridling the tongue, James 3. And not becoming friends with the world, that's James 4. So he's actually going to unpack all these topics over the next several chapters which we'll cover over the next couple months. But let's just try to get some application here. Let's think how can we be doers of the word that we've listened to here tonight. I think one one thing you can do that I would recommend is kind of wedding both you know your prayer and your your your, your scripture. Talk with God about what you're reading. I think it's a really good idea when you sit down to get into the Word to say, God, I want to hear from you right now. I don't want this to be just some religious exercise I go through. I want to to hear from you, God. I want you to speak to me, and I'm listening. I want to receive from you, God. What a great short little prayer. And there's times where I'm sitting down and I'm reading the Bible, and uh, I just realize I am just, I'm not even listening to what I'm reading. And that's, I find it good to just stop, take a breath, and tell God that. Say, God, I, I want to hear from you. Speak to me. And it's just, it, it settles you down, settles me down, it gets my RPMs down. It, I can just settle in and hear from the Lord. I think another good question to say is to say, God, what can I do today about what I've read here? And he may bring something to mind. And it might not be anything you read in the passage that day, but just the simple act of stopping and reading the Word and then asking God that. He might bring something else to mind that He wants you to do. And I would urge you to do that. And if you do what God asks you to do, then He's going he's to keep speaking. He's going to give you more cool stuff to do. So talking with God about what you're reading, I think setting a goal is a good idea. Setting a goal. You know, it's January 2nd, 2020 the time for resolutions, right? Well, here's a good one. Read the whole Bible this year. What about that? I remember sitting in a teaching um, in my home church as a very young Christian, and the teacher said, I don't even know what he was teaching on, honestly, but he said, you know, when I was a young Christian, an older believer said, you should read through, try to read through the Bible in a year. And he's like, and so I did. And I was sitting there, and I thought, yeah, that's a good idea. I think I'm gonna do that. And so the next day, I got my Bible, and i you know, I would read, but I would kind of take a stab here and a stab there, and I'd never read the whole thing. So I just, I went with like the simplest reading plan ever. I put a bookmark on the, in Genesis 1, a bookmark in Matthew 1, for when the Old Testament got boring, <laughs> <laughs> and a bookmark in Psalms 1, And I just, i I there's about 1,250 chapters in the Bible, so that's like less than four a day. And so I would just read, I'd try to get about four a day in, and sometimes I was really loving the Old Testament, and I would just read that, and sometimes I was really liking the New, and I'd read that, and I made it through the Bible. And I got done, I was like, I guess I'll do it again. (laughs) And so that's been a goal of mine most years, not every year, there's years where I switch it up, But that's something I've been doing most years for, at this point, almost 20 years. And um, what I would love, wouldn't it be cool if someday, 20 years from now, you're like, man, I remember that day, January 2nd, 2020. That was the day I decided I want to read through the Bible every year and I've been doing it ever since. Think about the changes that would happen in your life if you did something like that. And God wants that. God's going to help with that. What about memorizing a chapter of Scripture or even a whole book? This is something that I hear more and more people doing. This is something I've kind of taken a, a shot at myself. Memorize a verse today and then tomorrow review that and add one to it. And the next day review those two and then add one to it. We've got more resources than ever for memorizing Scripture, including, I'd like to make a plug here for scripturetyper.com. I guess it's biblememory.com now. <laughs> The app is awesome and uh, has helped a lot of people I know memorize a lot of scripture. I got friends I know who are memorizing entire books of the Bible who could never memorize anything before. And most people are like, oh, I just can't memorize. And usually people that say that, if you're like, how much effort have you put toward memorization? And they would say zero. (laughs) Putting a little effort toward it, you'd be surprised what you can do. What about taking a class? Maybe take it with a friend. Be easier to stick with it. More fun. You can study together. Uh, Something to push yourself into reading the Bible. Get a time, a place, and a plan. I recommend that as well. If, um, I mean, it can happen if you just fit it in here and there. And that's something that when I was a student, I was a little bit more able to do because I'd have random blocks of time between class and frankly, just more free time on my hands. But um, if you're having trouble, pick a time that you're going to try to do this each day. I've, I've known people who, who have a lot of success on their lunch hour if you have like a normal 8 to 5 job. But um, I like doing mine first thing in the morning whenever possible. I don't always get there, but most days I do. Also, a place. A place that is free of distractions. Um, I, I actually switched over to a paper Bible a number of years ago because uh, paper Bibles... Um, You can't check the internet on them. You can't get text messages on a paper Bible. In fact, all you can do is read the Bible. (laughs) And um, when I'm when I'm smart, I put my phone in airplane mode when I sit down to read. But you got to find a way to get rid of distractions. Get a get a big pair of headphones if you need to. Get the pair of headphones that tells your roommates I'm reading the Bible right now. (laughs) Leave me alone. And then don't abuse the Bible headphones because <laughs> a plan. There's tons of Bible reading plans out there. There's the real simple one. D.A. Carson, For the Love of God, that book he has, he's got that available for free that'll get you through the Old Testament once and the Psalms the New Testament twice. Um, th- there's all kinds. I, I, I can send some out if you guys want me to. I know people, some people have sent them out on email recently as well since it's the beginning of the year. But get a time, a place, and a plan. If you just show up and you're like, gee, what am I going to do today? That's not a a recipe for success. You need to ignore the lie that this is hopeless. Some of us are like, I tried this before. It didn't work. I'm a failure. It's never going to work. No. You got to try and you got to keep trying until you build up a habit. And then when you lose the habit, you got to try again. It takes three weeks to get a habit going. If you can do it every day for three weeks then what's going to happen is you're going to go a day without doing it. You're going to be like, this feels weird. I should be doing it. The power of habit is going to be on your side instead of working against you. But the thought that this is hopeless, that's a lie from the enemy of God. He, He, more than anything, wants to keep you away from the word of God. But it's not hopeless. You have the power of God on your side here. And finally, enjoy it. I hope that as you get in there, you'll start to have the experience that I had where I found myself being so encouraged and just having fun reading the word of God. I found a peace coming from it. I found joy coming from this. Um, I found my mind beginning to grow. My mind was able to suddenly remember things I couldn't remember before. But you got to get into it and you got to act on it if you're really going to start to enjoy it. You got to give it a chance. And I'll just leave you with... Maybe my favorite quote ever about the word of God from John White. He says, many, many helpful books have been written on this whole subject. I only wish to let a, warm, a wild, warm enthusiasm flow from my heart down my arm to flood my pen onto the paper. Bible study has torn apart my life and remade it. That is to say that God, through his word, has done so. In the darkest periods of my life, when everything seemed hopeless, I would struggle in the gray dawns of many faraway countries to grasp the basic truths of Scripture passages. I looked for no immediate answers to my problems. Only did I sense intuitively that I was drinking drafts from a fountain that gave life to my soul. Slowly, as I grappled with textual and theological problems, a strength grew deep within me. Foundations cemented themselves to another worldly rock beyond the reach of time and space, and I became strong and more alive. If I could write poetry about it, I would. If I could sing through paper, I would flood your soul with the glorious melodies that express what I have found. I cannot exaggerate, for there are no expressions majestic enough to tell of the glory I have seen, or of the wonder of finding that I, A neurotic, unstable, middle-aged man (laughs) have my feet firmly planted in eternity and I breathe the air of heaven. All this has come to me through careful study of Scripture. And that's all we got for tonight. Yeah, Lord, your word is, is, this is our hope for growth. You say that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Lord, we need that spiritual nutrition. Uh, I pray for I pray for those of us here who um, have never received your spirit, Lord. I pray that they would consider passages like that John 3.16 that we read earlier. They would consider placing their trust in Jesus. I pray your word would show them how to do that. I pray for those of us too who um, are discouraged about our, our walks, Lord. I pray that Um, anyone in that situation would look to your word, Lord, and humbly receive what you're trying to give them. I pray that um, a year from now, every single person here in this room would be looking back at this year as a year when they really took your word seriously and where they benefited greatly from it, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. This has been a Dwell Community Church production.